Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing okay? Good. Uh, welcome to all of you, and a special welcome to those of you watching online. Grateful that you are all here with us, either gathered here or at home. And um, if you have questions along the way, anything that we need to know about that you want to communicate to us, please send us a text <clears throat> excuse me, to the number that we've been using for months upon months, it feels like. That is 833-520-0764. One more time, send a text at 833-520-0764. If you're watching online, you can always leave a comment or prayer request, anything that we need to know uh, in the space wherever you're watching, whatever platform, please feel free uh, to use that there. My name is Trent. I have the privilege of being the pastor here. I did not get to meet everybody, but I did get to say hello to some, and we're really grateful uh, that you've joined us. Um, a few weeks ago, we kicked off this series um, on the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Manifesto. And as we have been doing, we're just going to continue tracking right along through uh, the text in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 for the next several months. So I, I want to... Um, do just a moment here, if you will, allow us uh, a moment of review. And I think it's important to do this uh, at the front end of this every week because Jesus is preaching a sermon. And so in order to catch the line of thought that he is setting out, it's important to back the truck up just a touch, get a little momentum, and then move forward. And so if you'll allow, um, last week we took the shape of what is called the Beatitudes, the first several verses of Matthew chapter 5. The reason they're called the Beatitudes, a uh, little trivia here, but fairly important, um, is because when St. Jerome translated the Bible into Latin from Greek, um, he did so, uh, and the, the Greek word is makarios, but uh, the Latin word sounds a lot like Beatitude, and that's how we get Beatitude. Now, I don't know Latin, so I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but you just trust me on that. Yeah, everybody good? So that's why they're called the Beatitudes, and it spread far, and that, that's kind of where they are. So uh, last week we said uh, that the shape of the Beatitudes goes one of two ways. The, there's a broad swath of teaching um, that says they are something to, to do. And I, what I want to encourage us uh, is actually away from that um, to something that Jesus is making available. So the way that we kind of framed it this particular time is that we're talking about uh, either prescriptions or descriptions. Prescriptions are something uh, that they should go and do, something to replicate or to recognize in our own life. Uh, descriptions are something else altogether. So prescriptions you go to the doctor, uh, you've got something going on, something's not working, something's not moving, something feels wrong, something uh, is, is overly uh, uh, excited in your life. And so they go to the doctor and he or she, you know, does all the doctor things that they do. And then they hand you a slip of paper with a prescription. Now, what you're hoping also is that they got some free samples in the magic closet. Who's with me on that? Otherwise, you go to CVS or Kroger or your favorite pharmacy and you fill it and you take it. And the idea is, is that you take them as prescribed, and they are going to be what makes you better. Some people approach the Beatitudes like that. Poor in spirit, mourning, um, meekness, peacemaking. These kinds of things are what is going to make you spiritually better. They are prescriptions that Dr. Jesus has uh, set out before us to follow. I'm telling you, I don't think that's anywhere close to what he's doing. These are not things to recognize in our lives or to replicate in our lives. They are descriptions. Descriptions being um, the declaration of the availability of the kingdom to all sorts of people. 
Declaration of the availability of the kingdom to all sorts of people. If they're prescriptions, we go do these things. And what happens is, is that we miss, when we try to approach them this way, we miss the kingdom altogether. Uh, the Bible in Romans 14 talks about it this way, that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, but if we go out and try to do these things um, and try to replicate these things in our lives, what we find is that instead of righteousness, we experience and live in self-righteousness. We are giving God a reason to bless us. God, I'm over here being blessable. Surely blessings are coming my way. Um, I'm over here being poor in spirit. Surely now you will do this for me. I'm over here peacemaking. Surely now you'll do this. The one that makes the least sense to me, the least sense. God, I'm over here being merciful so you will show me mercy. I'm over here showing mercy so that I can earn some mercy from you. Earned mercy? Like, isn't that the opposite of everything that is actually mercy? It's unearned. So there's all sorts of craziness. If we approach it prescriptives as prescriptions for us, uh, then instead of righteousness, we get self-righteousness. Instead of peace, we get worn out from self-effort. And instead of joy in the Holy Spirit, we walk around with this level of shame and guilt because we cannot and do not live up to the things that we are saying are important for us to up to. Instead, what he's doing is declaring the availability of the kingdom to all sorts of people, even if, even if they are these other particular ways. And this would be the summary statement for today, um, that, the, that the blessing is available uh, to the kinds of people described in the first half of these verses. But the content of the blessing, the content of the blessing is articulated in the second half. This is not an exhaustive list. It's not. So the, these things that Jesus is articulating here, this is not an exhaustive list of, of these are the only kind of people who will be blessed in the kingdom. This is not what's happening here. Uh, and in fact, uh, in Luke chapter six, in Matthew five, six and seven, Jesus preaches what's called the sermon on the Mount. In Luke chapter six, he preaches something called the sermon on the plain, two different places, uh, two different settings, um, but they share a lot of similarities. In fact, Jesus starts his sermon on the plain by saying, blessed are the poor, not poor in spirit, just poor. Blessed are the hungry, and on and on he goes. He, he includes uh, some woes. If you're laughing right now, ooh, it's going to go bad for you. So uh, he's not giving us prescriptions. And he, and he, by the way, preachers do this. We use the same material over and over again on occasion. Anybody noticed this before? That was a little certain from the crowd, I'm sure, at home. But the reality is that most of the time we do that because our hearers need the repetition over and over again. Whole different conversation. So I, I just want to point out, he's talking about the availability of the kingdom. And in doing so, he is going to focus on, emphasize the kingdom availability in the second half of these verses. All right, here we go. You ready? Let's, let's jump in. I don't want to spend too much time reviewing, but we have to jump into the line of thought so that we can catch this. Verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. If you're using the Bible app, please feel free to jump on. Um, if you can find our live event, somebody was saying earlier that the live event wasn't posted right or something, but um, you can link off of our Facebook page and find it. So all of that's technical stuff, but Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds... 
he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And again, just picture this. There's a crowd that he had done miraculous things in. He had set free um, the oppressed by the demons. He had healed paralytics and epileptics. He had done amazing works. And from that crowd, a group of people said, man, we are in with you. And it's to these people that he speaks. Verse 2, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. I said last week that whenever it's plural, I will say it is plural. I'm not trying to be annoying, I promise you. But um, what Jesus is emphasizing is that the kingdom is available. It is as near as the air that is around us right here, this first level of the heavens. And it is, it is as immense as this second level of the heavens that you and I would call the cosmos, space. And it is, it is glorious as the third level of the heavens, the throne room of God. It fills all of those and it's near. That's the emphasis of Jesus here. So he starts with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. I, I said it this way that uh, blessed are, um, I'm just trying to give some fresh language just in case it gets a little stale for us, but blessed are the spiritually incompetent. They are clueless and cowards about their own um, spiritual state. Some of them are fans uh, sitting in the stands going, oh Jesus, we kind of Good for you, Jesus. Some of them have moved from the stands and have kind of leaned in a little bit to a place of fascination to say, hey, uh, you know, uh, Jesus, we're kind of interested in seeing what happens next. And some have said, man, clear the way. We are all in and they are followers. And Jesus says the kingdom is available to this whole span of people. They are clueless. They are clueless maybe because of their background, maybe because of their uh, worldview, maybe because they have been spiritually formed by powers, forces, and sources that are not good for them. Does everybody recognize in their lives that you are spiritually formed by things that you take in? Some of us, I'll just give you an example. Did anybody watch any news this week? Read any headlines this week and anxiety comes rolling up inside of you. Anybody? That is a spiritual formation practice. And if you watch, if you're a CNN person, a certain kind of anxiety rolls up in you. And if you're a Fox News person, a certain kind of anxiety rolls up in you. If you get all of your news from Facebook, a certain kind of anxiety rolls up in you. Like there, there are forces at work that spiritually shape who we are. And we are clueless about that sometimes. And even if it is set right down in front of us, right in front of our faces, sometimes we go, ooh, I don't want to deal with that. We're cowards. James talks about it this way, that it's like someone who looks in a mirror and then walks away forgetting what he looks like. And in fact, well, let let me just... Let me just, um, let me get to this first. Uh, there are those of us who are so spiritually incompetent that we think that our spiritual incompetence is actually the reason why we qualify for the kingdom. We've somehow taken a vice and made it a virtue. That's how crazy our lives are sometimes. So let, let me ask you this question pastorally. Who's on your list Who is on your list of people to whom you would say, ain't no way the kingdom is coming to them? What version of sin or sinner would you say, nope, that's not for them. That's not, that's not for them. Jesus comes along and says, 
those spiritually incompetent people, even the ones that we ourselves would exclude, the kingdom is available to them. That's, that's the promise, that the kingdom is available even to them, even to them. The kingdom is available. And what's better? Those of us who would exclude somebody else, the kingdom is available to us too. Those of us who have become self-appointed brokers of kingdom availability, the kingdom is available even to us. Even to us. This, this may, depending upon kind of your background and understanding of the world and how it's supposed to work, this may sound like too good of a deal, like it's too good to be true. And here's what I want to say to you. If that's you, if something in you kind of gets some revulsion around this, you get some funny feelings around this, here's what I want to say to you about that. Um, it, this is the deal that Jesus is making. This is the availability that Jesus is promising. And here's what I promise you. If Jesus is making this deal, he is perfectly fine with the terms of the deal. We don't have to worry about God getting the short end of the stick. He's going to be okay. Those spiritually incompetent, they, the kingdom is available to them. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall inherit the earth. I, I described it this way. These are the grief bearers. These are the grief bearers. And what we're not talking about here is just people who genetically or just dispositionally are kind of melancholy. No, I'm talking about this is a hard-earned heaviness. Um, they walk around because they've taken blows and you can see bruises. They, like their shoulders carry weight and um, their face is uh, uh, at times really comes out. Their countenance, uh, the way the Bible talks about it, their countenance falls. Their, their face reflects the heaviness that is their life because they carry this weight of grief. Um, life in any number of situations, circumstances, people, um, or, or, or even places has dealt them a, a heavy set of blows and they are walking around carrying grief. And even if they're smiling on the outside, hey, my life is together. Thanks so much. Um, there, there is a, a um, if you genuinely interact with them, I'm not talking about passing in the hallway. How's it going, Bob? Oh, it's good. Thanks so much. I, I'm not talking about even just, hey, how's it going? You're sharing coffee there for a minute. I'm talking about a genuine interaction with them. If you genuinely interact with them, even if they're smiling on the outside, you walk away and there's an aftertaste of loneliness, of like there's a cloud still hanging. These are the grief bearers. And Jesus, it, listen, there are those of you in the room right this second. And there are those of you who are watching online right this second. And what just happened in this moment was your ears perked up and you said, well, he's talking about me. And I'm saying, yes, Jesus is talking about you. And what he's about to offer is going to, in the best of ways, it's going to mess you up. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The, the word that he uses there is the same word that he uses in John chapter 14 as he's kind of given his graduation um, 
speech to his disciples. Uh, and he says, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. In fact, I'm going to send the comforter. The paraclete is the Greek word. It is the one who brings encouragement and comfort to us. Um, he is the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus uses the exact same word here. They shall receive a kind of encouragement and companionship that says, hey, you're not alone in this and not everything is lost. You don't have to give up. You don't have to throw in the towel. It's, 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 it's not over yet. Not all is lost. Even though you walk around, and there's, there's baggage in your life, and there's weight in your life, and your shoulders slump, and you're not sure that how you're going to find the strength to take the next step or to make the next climb, hit the next deadline. Jesus says, in the kingdom that is available to you, there is comfort, a kind of encouragement and companionship that says it's not all lost. It's not all gone yet. Grief bearers. Verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. These would be the folks that I would just describe it as those who are overlooked and the lowly. These are the people um, who are um, in in a different class. They are um, either because they themselves uh, leaned against the wall and, and called themselves wallflowers or because somebody said, please go stand in the corner over there and don't move till I tell you. So, some of you know what that's like in a relationship. Some of you know what that's like by a supervisor or a coach or a boss or a spouse. Parent. So, so they're, they're pinned against the wall, overlooked. And they're used to being overlooked at this point. They're of a different class. They are the ones who, um, they have to go back to work, um, not because some government official said they were essential workers, but because if they don't go to work, there's no food on the table. Overlooked, lowly. What might be true about them is, is they would say maybe one of these two things. If something goes wrong, I assume it's my fault wallflowers. Or they may say, if someone needs something, I assume it will be needed from me. Either they will come and take it from me, or they will come and expect it from me. Wallflowers. Those used to getting pushed around. Those overlooked and lowly. And you think, but it says meek. I mean, isn't that kind of a nice thing? And in fact, Jesus himself describes himself with this exact word. A few chapters later in Matthew chapter 11, he looks at a group of people and says, hey, come to me all who are weary and are heavy laden. You'll find rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly, lowly. There it is of heart. You'll find rest for your souls. And you think, oh, Jesus said he's meek. Shouldn't we go be meek? Listen, meekness, there are times when uh, that is a a good thing for us. And there are times when meekness is not a good thing for us. Just earlier in Matthew chapter 11, the exact same chapter where Jesus describes himself this way. uh, And we mentioned this last week. Jesus is speaking of John the Baptist. And he says, and he says, the kingdoms, ever since John, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, does that sound meek to anybody? What he's saying is that there is a, a politeness and a kind of social norm and moray that when the kingdom comes and people see it, they kick that junk out of the way, man. They're moving stuff. They're pushing things aside going, no, I am not going to stand on these proprieties or these niceties. I'm getting out of the way because I have to have some of that. That is not meekness. 
That's not meekness. It's not, it's not always, not always a good thing. Here's the promise, though. For those overlooked and lowly, the promise is this, they shall inherit the earth. Or I said it this way, they are created for and they are heirs uh, of the rule of the earth. Jesus is uh, pointing us backwards all the way to page one of the Bible. Page one, Genesis one. God creates male and female in his image. And he says to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Here we go. Subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Take dominion. Like be people who exercise my authority in this place for the good of the earth. And he says, all of the wallflowers qualify for that calling still. All of you who've been pushed against the wall or put into the corner, you are meant to be co-regents with God and his benevolent rule in the earth. Blessed are the meek, because in the kingdom, they still have this great purpose. They shall inherit the earth. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who are unfulfilled. They hunger, right? They hunger. And what they're hungry for is a kind of rightness to their lives. In their own souls, they want that rightness to come because they know that their lives are not always right. They know that their lives aren't always connected and they want rightness, maybe most in their own lives because of the darkness that they see there. But certainly they want rightness in their lives. It may sound like this. Surely I am made for more than just this. Maybe it's on the, just on the other side of a sin that they've committed for the 58th time um, that week. And they're like, oh, surely I'm made for more than this. Or maybe it's they wake up in the middle of the night and the fan's going round and round and their spouse is sleeping next to them and they think, is this my life? Surely I'm made for more than this. I'm hungering for a rightness in my own life, but also in the relationships of their lives. They are looking for and longing for a love and a genuine care and a thoughtfulness in the appropriate expressions of these things. And they long for a rightness in their world. Why? Because the world simply doesn't work. The world doesn't work. It's broken. And maybe they've spun up hope in a politician. I say they, you know, they, those people. Maybe they've spun up hope in a politician. Or, or, or maybe they've spun up hope in a movement, hoping that it will bring actual and genuine change. And what they figure out is that the world doesn't work. It's broken. And and if if it spirals too much, they end up in places like my office and they say, you know what? And I, I want rightness in this world, but I look at disaster and corruption and injustice and hatred and vitriol and all the things that are true about this broken world of ours. And I look at God and go, surely you see this. And if you see it, why don't you care? And all that is, is an expression of the hunger and thirst for rightness in the world. I, pastorally, I will just say this, that um, here, here's my observation, that most of, most of the time, this hunger arises out of this deep place when it is very personal to them. 
Most people um, will be willing to join a movement or share a post, but I'm talking about that I think that the hunger and thirst for righteousness that Jesus is speaking of here comes from a personal interaction with the brokenness of this world. And what they long for after a diagnosis or after a death or after something is a rightness. And because it's very personal to them, something deep down inside of them goes, this is not working. A rumble deep down inside of them. The promise is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The word he uses there is like a feast. They shall feast. They shall, after they're done experiencing the kingdom, they're going to have to like adjust some things and move some things, maybe loosen a notch on their belt a little bit and kind of untuck their shirt a touch because they have feasted. They have feasted. The the taste test becomes the full meal. If you, in pre-pandemic life, maybe you did this, you go over to Sam's or Costco, one of the big warehouse places, you walk around on a Saturday, there was something glorious. All these people with these little tables, and what do they have? They had samples of everything, right? You could try the new artisan bread that was coming out, or you could try the the world's greatest hamburger or whatever. Um, You could try the bacon-wrapped shrimp, something or other, and you you just walked around and you tried these things. And if you had kids and you walked around enough, you could feed them lunch that way, huh? Who's with me? So um, you you do this, but but the whole idea was not just to have this little taste test. The idea of you smacking on that hamburger or trying this new sandwich thing or or picking up that bacon wrapped shrimp with the cream cheese jalapeno, something, 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 is that you would clear some space, kick somebody out of the way, open the door, grab the bag and buy it, Right. You you want to go home and experience the fullness of what you just tasted. This is what Jesus promises. That the hunger that is inside of us, even if we have just a taste of it, in the kingdom, there is a full meal waiting on us. And not, listen, not because, not because. You and I kick somebody out of the way, grab the bag, and made out like bandits, like... We're getting past the security, not because we stole it. And listen, not because we paid for it either. Somebody had to pay for it, but it wasn't us. Jesus secured this promise of the kingdom by his death, paying for our sins, and by his resurrection and the triumph of hope and fulfillment that he brings along with us, with that. The kingdom is ours and the, the feast, the satisfaction of the kingdom is ours because Jesus is the one who moved people out of the way, grabbed the bag and say, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And some of you may be here and you may have some stuff rolling around inside of you right now. And I just want you to stare that dead in the face. But, but because what, what that is, is an invitation for you to experience something that Jesus paid for. It's an invitation for you to have something far greater, far greater than what you're living for right now. Verse 7, 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I thought mercy might be just a touch weak for us in our day because we kind of like it. This would be something along the lines of pity. So pitiful. Blessed are the those who are full of pity. These have pity for others. Um, they are the ones who carry uh, bags for the homeless in, in their car. They are the ones who are consistently looking for needs around them and saying, I'll step into that. I'll step into that. I'll step into that. Oh, over there. Yes, I'll step into that. They are the ones who are consistently giving of themselves and they do so with the heart on their sleeves, pouring themselves out with their heart on the sleeves. And even even when they're taken advantage of, they kind of take that as a mark of honor to go, okay, well, I'm still going to be, um, show pity and mercy uh, to those who are around us. Now, the, the danger of this particular uh, group of people is that sometimes their actions can become complaint. They can, I mean, their, their actions can turn to complaint. Like they may be still serving on the outside, but they're griping on the inside because you, all you sorry sinners over there, you're not living up to their standard of service and mercy and this kind of thing. So they're not actually having pity on you, just some people over here. That most often happens when they pour themselves out and pour themselves out and pour themselves out and they find themselves empty. And they look around going, nobody else is like this. What's going on? The promise here, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The promise is you will experience what you pour out. In other words, Jesus in his kingdom is perfectly capable of keeping you full all the while, allowing you and even encouraging you to step toward need and step into situations. And he will continue to pour out into you so that you can overflow in lives to others. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who pour themselves out. Because they will experience the exact same thing. In the kingdom, the kingdom that is available to us, there is a fullness that, that, that doesn't ever have to hit empty. So yesterday morning at some really ungodly hour, I say that like, I mean, Jesus was awake, but he was just one eye. You know what I mean? Like it was early. Uh, my oldest and I took off. We headed east to Lake Charles. And we had a um, trailer full of uh, supplies for our friends at Mount Pilgrim um, Baptist Church there in Lake Charles. And I got to meet Pastor EJ. It was a really cool thing. And so we roll up and arrive and about five minutes later, EJ and his family show up. And so we're unloading these things. And if you're around during Harvey, in your mind, you can kind of picture it's all of these long tables of things. You know, you got all the, the diapers and baby supplies here and you got all the clothes on that and you got all this other stuff. And so EJ, he goes, hey, what? You see those tables right there? Yes, I see them. They're they're empty. Yes, they are. That's our cleaning supply table. Anybody want to guess what our trailer was packed full of? Somewhere. I just heard. Blessed are the merciful for the very thing that they pour out in trying to meet needs. God fills up. He is perfectly capable in his kingdom of keeping you full so that whatever needs are around you, you can step into. You don't have to walk around worn out and empty. The kingdom is available to you. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Uh, uh, Jesus is probably pointing backwards to Psalm 24. Uh, 
Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to what is false. There's a song coming, our song of reflection, that will just give us a moment to ponder that particular idea. But these are the people who are all in. These are the people who are doing the right thing for the right reason. They are um, engaged and they're, man, they just want to make a difference. The, the danger, there's two dangers that go along with this. One is perfectionism. I have to do the right thing and I have to do it for the right reason. And then the second one is frustration. Um, I see other people not doing the right thing and I see them doing the right thing for the wrong reason. And so I get frustrated with you. I'm still going to do the right thing for the right reason, but I'm looking down the road or I'm looking down the street or I'm looking down the, the uh, 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 bench at soccer or baseball or whatever. And I'm like, Mm-mm, nope. There's a frustration with those who are around us. This is um, Asaph in Psalm 73. You can go read it later, but Asaph kind of takes a survey of the land, and this is what he says in song to God. Hey, God, I'm here trying to do the right thing for the right reason, and it looks like the only people who are getting it done here and are really living under your blessing are all the wicked people. They seem to be prospering, and I seem to be getting the short end of the stick. What's up with that? And then in the middle of Psalm 73, he goes, you know what? I went into the house of the Lord. I went into the presence of God. It was there that I perceived their end, is what he says. That their foot was on a slippery slope and they were going down. And so I just say to you what Jesus says here. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. The promise is it will all be worth it. It will all be worth it. In the kingdom of God, you and I, as we experience this kingdom is it is available to us, those who want to do the right thing for the right reason, and they have a gut check at some point that says, I'm not sure that this is the right thing anymore. I'm not sure these are the right reasons. I'm not sure this is worth it. Jesus whispers to us, hey, in the kingdom, you'll see God. It'll all be worth it in that moment. Every one of us. It'll all be worth it. The all in. Um, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God, the peacemakers, those who um, are taking fire from both sides. Uh, There are some peacemakers in here. I'm a middle kid. I'm a peacemaker. Here's the thing about peacemakers is that we just have this inclination in us. It's almost natural instinct. Um, Sometimes it, you know, kind of gets shaved off by one thing or another, but we have this kind of instinct that steps into the middle and we see two warring factions and we're like, can't we all just get along people? We should be able to. And then so you turn this way and you start talking to this person and now you're taking fire from behind you. And you're like, hey, whoa, 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 hold on. Stop that. And, and then now you're taking fire from this side. No matter where you turn, there's an enemy at your back. Anybody identify with that? And you refuse to leave because you are resolute in your peacemaking. But it is a bone-wearying exercise to stand in the middle and take fire from both sides. Some of you know what that's like because you have family. You've got siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, kids, whatever. Some of you know what that's like because of your work environment, because of your management responsibilities, whatever it may be. Everywhere you turn, you're taking fire but you refuse to step out of the way because you're a peacemaker. 
Here's the promise. You have, he says, uh, blessed are uh, the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I said it this way, that you have a safe place to belong. In the kingdom that is available to us, there is a safe place to those of us who stick ourselves in the middle and take fire from all sides. There's a safe place to belong. That's an amazing promise. I want to move on here, just this last one. Verses 10, 11, 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in the heavens. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I just want to say those who are beaten up, those who are shunned or oppressed because of faith. Now, can we just take a couple of things? I just want to note these couple of things here. Number one, um, you not getting the parking spot at the front is not persecution. Okay, I just want to note that. And secondly, people not liking you because you're a jerk is also not persecution. Specifically, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. We're talking about a shunning and an, uh, an oppression because of faith, not because of personality. Okay, now that we've said that, when we do experience this, and I think it will be part of it, um, what, what we figure out is that although the worldview, and there were people in the Bible who held this, man, you read the Gospels, and there were people who, with the best of intentions, still held this worldview. Although the worldview is, hey, if I just follow Jesus, everything should be fine just for me. Everything should go up and to the right. And they believed it back in this day. You look at the rich young ruler and some of those stories, and you turn on your TV late at night and watch these TV preachers say, if you'll just have this kind of faith and send me some money, then everything will be just perfect for you. Listen, that's not how the Bible talks about life. There are times when we do the right thing for the right reason and we still take punches for it. We still do. It doesn't always go up and to the right, folks. Here's the promise. People would say to you, oh, well, if you'll just, if you'll just believe, if you'll just you know, do it, then the kingdom is yours. And no, 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 listen, listen. Sometimes it doesn't go right for us. We experience shunning and persecution, and it's in that moment, that exact moment, that Jesus looks at us and goes, the kingdom of the heavens is yours. It's yours. So you have the kingdom available to you, and frankly, listen, you're in good company. At the end of verse 12, they persecuted the prophets before you. You're in good company. Paul and Silas got beat up in Philippi for standing for their faith. They ended up beaten um, in jail, in the uh, bottom of the jail, in stocks. And it says about midnight, they are singing. They're singing hymns of praise to God. That's crazy talk, man. That's crazy. They, they were persecuted for their faith, but in them at midnight, they, in the darkest time of the night, they found that it's the right time to sing. And it says that the others were listening. Now, God did some amazing things after that, but just don't, don't, don't miss this. The others were listening. 
And what I want to say to you as a closing thing here is that it is not the first half of these statements of blessing. It is not the first half that is so um, attractional and preservative, okay? The, the people were not listening to Paul and Silas because they had been eaten, beaten within an inch of their life and were in the bottom of the jail. The people were listening because they had been beaten and were in the bottom of the jail and now were singing. So it is not, listen, it is not it's the salt and the light that Jesus is moving to next week. The salt and the light, the things that are, are, attraction, are attractive and the things that are preservative to our culture, to our lives. It is not being poor in spirit, mourning, meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemaking, and persecuted. It is not those things that are salt and light. It is that we have the kingdom, we are comforted, we inherit the earth, we are satisfied, we receive mercy, we see God, we are called sons of God. And we have a great company of people that are along with us. That's where the salt and the light is. So, so I, I just say to you here, to those of you watching at home, this, this is the moment for you that you maybe just clear some space in your life and let this kind of thing in. The, the salt and the light is in the availability of the kingdom for us. And it is available to us through trust in the King. So if you're here this morning or you're watching at home and you've never committed your life to Christ, I just want you to know you can move from the stands and you can move past the level of fascination. You can move into, gloriously into a relationship of following Jesus. And that's what I want to invite you to. Some of you are here and you're already followers, and I simply want to say to you, you may need to set some things before him this morning and hear his promise of the availability of the kingdom. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a song just to soak in, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, now, um, for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of his people who are gathered here and online, I pray that you would speak. And um, in your speaking, um, you, you would make it so individualized for each of us, so clear for every one of us that um, this drops down, soaks down, seeps down into um, the, the places that we may not even know that we need it. All the little cracks and crevices of our soul, God, would you let this word of the availability and power of the kingdom be there in those places. So we commit that to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and for every person here and those watching online, if you would like us to know a prayer request, you can comment uh, in the um, um, places there uh, on the platform that you're watching or send a text to 833-520-0764. We'll get back to you as quick as we can. For you in the room, just sit and take this in. If you know the song, please feel free to sing along. But just sit and take this in. Maybe you keep your Bible open. And then um, I'll dismiss this in just a moment.
find when we seek what we find is that God's not far in fact he's right here and he makes the kingdom available to us right here so with that in mind let's go from here like what we said and what we sung was true you are a family missionary sent out you watching from home you are sent out 
to go live like Jesus reigns over everything. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. If uh, you're in the room, I'd love to meet you. I'll just be just outside those doors if you have any questions. I'd love to meet you. You're dismissed. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody.